Go with me please to uh, the book of John this evening. Book of John, the 14th chapter. We've been on this subject for a few weeks now. And I feel like we should continue. We've been talking about an act of fear. An act of fear. We know about acting on faith. But we're talking about acting on fear. In John, the 14th chapter, down about the 27th verse, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Can we have peace in a troubled world? We don't have to look for it in a bottle or a syringe or to snort it up our nose. We don't have to look at it, try to get it through amassing possessions or through immorality and sex with people. Those things cannot give you peace. They might distract you for a little while, but when it's all said and done, you're still hollow on the inside. And now you got even more condemnation because you know what you were doing is wrong. You can take drugs till you pass out, but that's not sleep. That's a semi-comatose state. The Bible said he gives his beloved sleep. Oh, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm glad the Lord helped me to pursue the ministry instead of being an outlaw. I'm not looking over my shoulder, afraid somebody's going to kill me all the time. I'm not afraid Phyllis is going to find out about my three women on the side, because I don't have any women on the side, or men either. (laughs) I'm not afraid somebody's going to find my liquor stash, or my drug stash, or I'm not afraid that the people are going to find out I've been stealing money from the church. It's a good life. I said it's a good life when you don't, you're not living in fear. You're not living in condemnation. You're not living in guilt. No, I'm not saying I've always done everything perfectly. I've made mistakes, but I've repented. And God's forgiven me. Did you hear? And no matter what you've done, you can have peace. And you don't have to look for it in the bottle. Or anything else. How many believe... That he has given us peace that passes understanding. It's not something you can find anywhere in the ungodly world. But Jesus has given us his very own peace. Now as a result of him giving us this divine peace. Somebody said out loud, I have his peace. peace. He gave it to me. me. It's mine. mine. By By faith. I take it. I have it. I I live in it. I I walk in in His peace. peace. Now if you do, the next part will be evident in your life. Read the rest of it. What did he say? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
Many have not spent enough time on this. I've talked to believers that are just in a panic, that are just having a meltdown. And they say, I've tried not to be afraid. I try not to, but I just can't help it. It just comes over me. Next thing I know, it's just I'm panicking and I'm, I'm having. How many understand? No believer should ever have a panic attack. Ever. Read this phrase out loud with me and remember who said it. Let not your heart be troubled. Now try to imagine the head of the church. Jesus is looking at you tonight. And he says. My peace. The peace I lived and walked in on the earth. I have given you. Here you go. It's yours. Now. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. Are you going to look at him and go, (laughs) I try not to, but it's just hard sometimes. You going to tell the head of the church that? You going to tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about? That sometimes the best you can do is not enough and you're still going to be afraid and panic and you can't help it? Or would you have enough respect for him to say, well, Lord, if you say it, it's got to be true. Hmm? And by your grace, okay, by your grace, I will not let my heart be troubled. Come on, say it out loud. By your grace, I will not let my heart be troubled. By the Lord's grace, I will not allow my heart to be afraid. Many church-going folk don't even believe this is possible. But you've got to make up your mind what you believe, your past experiences, what other people think and say, or what he said. You've got to make the choice. The 23rd Psalm said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on. I will fear no, no evil. Is it possible? Even in the darkest places, even in the most challenging, the most oppressive of situations, is it possible to not be afraid? While other people are falling apart, other people are just losing it, is it possible you can stand there in peace? Because you are standing there in the peace He gave you. And He told you not to let yourself get that way, and you just believe what He said. And so you don't yield to it. Oh, it'll come. Feelings will come. Thoughts will come. Feelings of fear. Thoughts of fear. Intimidation. Harassment. Panic. It'll come. But you don't have to let it in. It'll come on you. It'll come to you. But you never have to let it in you. Even if your knees are bumping together, even if the hair is standing up on the back of your neck and you got goosebumps all up and down your arms and your tongue is quivering trying to talk, you should say, I refuse to fear. I resist this. I will not yield to it today, nor tomorrow, nor ever. I have His peace that passes understanding and I will not let my heart be afraid.
Do you believe there's power in the greater one inside you to come up in you and to make you strong and to strengthen you and manifest that peace inside you? Then say it out loud, no more panic attacks. No more. No more. Do you know you're not supposed to have nightmares? Do you know that? Mm -mm. You're not supposed to have them. I will say this. Very important what you're thinking about when you go to sleep. It's important what you let yourself watch. What you let yourself hear. A lot of people are having trouble because they're the ones that open the door and let it in. You should go to sleep with your mind on the Lord. Praising Him. Worshiping Him. With the doors shut. To fear. How many know if you go to sleep in your house with all the doors open, something's liable to come in? Huh? Skunk might come in. Coyote might come in. Possum might come in. Might mess up your kitchen and tear up your curtains. and You might wake up and there's a big possum in your bed. <laughs> now, how many know you wake up and there's a big possum in your bed and if tomorrow night... You leave all the doors and windows open again. What would that mean? It means you're not very smart. <laughs> well, just like you can leave your doors open on your house and anything can come along and get in, you can leave the doors open on your mind and your soul and your heart and wrong things can come to you while you're sleeping. I like to go to bed with the Word going. I got the Bible, you know, on the CD. Man, I like to hear it. Your spirit never sleeps. Did you know that? Your spirit's hearing things even while you're snoring. Things can get in you. And so uh, you don't want to let the wrong thing in, and you do want to have those doors closed to fear. Don't go to sleep afraid. Teach your children this. If your children are having nightmares, I'm telling you this is the problem. You got to talk to them. You got to see why, what they're afraid of when they're going to sleep. If you go to sleep afraid, you got the doors open for nightmares. Whether it's afraid about paying your bills or afraid, a little one afraid about some monster that they saw. I know I must have been very young. I don't even remember. But I do remember this one event. Somebody got me an alligator. He was a big stuffed alligator, but he looked real. And I don't know if I was barely old enough to walk or not. But I remember I was old enough to sleep in a room by myself. But they took that alligator and they threw him up in the closet in the top shelf. And they closed the door and turned the light out. And I knew that alligator was in there. (laughs) What are you laughing about? And man, I got to thinking about that. And I got to imagining that that alligator could come out of there and get me. And I went to sleep and had nightmares about, what do you think? Alligators Alligators coming to get me. Now we laugh about it, but to a little one, that's real. I said, that's real. It's not funny. It terrorizes them. And can you tell me from what we've already gone over, why is it happening? Fear. Fear. See, 
It's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual principle that your fears can come on you. In spirit and in the natural. So it's a very dangerous thing to go to bed afraid. You must not go to bed afraid. You must teach your little ones how not to go to bed afraid. If they're shaken about something and scared about something, it ain't time to just say go to sleep. Did you hear me now? you got to get with them and get this fixed so that they're not afraid. So that they can lay down, you know, maybe with some good music and, and they can get their mind on the Lord and not on alligators in the closet. Where are you in the scripture? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Go with me, if you would, to Second uh, Kings. The sixth chapter this evening. If you've not been with us, we've already covered a lot of ground. And I won't review all of it for time's sake. But we have found, like I just got through saying, the Bible reveals it is a spiritual law that what you fear can come on you. We looked at numerous scriptures along that line. It's just a law. And the thing the Lord was ministering to me as to why we really began this series is that Romans 8, in fact, put it up on the screen for us. We won't turn to it, but Romans 8, 14, please. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Sons of God, that means male sons and female sons, ought to be led by the Spirit. Next verse, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now, how many understand this flows together? What does this have to do with being led? He didn't change subjects. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Next verse. The spirit itself, or many translations say himself, bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And this is the chief way that he leads us. He's talking in all three of these verses about being led and directed. Children of God, sons of God, should be led by the Spirit of God. Well, why does he bring up, back up to verse 15 again, why does he bring up the spirit of bondage and fear? Because millions are being led by this instead of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of peace. And to act on faith is what the gospel accounts are about. It's what the book of Acts is about. It's where we see the greatest amazing miracles and signs and wonders. When somebody acts on faith, miracles happen. What about when somebody acts on fear? It is also powerful, but in the wrong direction. When you act on faith, God has a right to work miracles in your life. When you act on fear, the destroyer has a right to bring your fear on you and bring destruction into your life. Many of God's people are being led by fear. They're making decisions. They're doing things. They're not doing things. And it's not based on a leading of the Lord. It's based on a fear. And friend, if you act on a fear, you have opened the door to the destroyer in your life. The reason I'm spending so much time on it is because I just know in my spirit, masses of Christians don't see this. They don't know this. They're doing it all the time. And they don't see a problem with it. But friend, it's a biblical law. 
How many believe in miracles? You believe faith without works is dead? You got to act on what you believe? If you believe something strong enough that God told you and you act on it, how many believe God can manifest even miraculous power to bring it to pass? Well, then why wouldn't we understand then that the same kind of thing can happen in a destructive sense? If you uh, are afraid, that is proof that you believe something. Else why would you be afraid? If you're afraid, it's proof you believe something. And if you act on that fear, it's proof you have full belief in it. If faith without works is dead, what would fear without works be? Dead, which is what you want. We want fear to be dead in our life. If we'll catch these fears and not act on them, not speak them, not make decisions based on the fear, then they die. And the devil is prevented access to us. And the destroyer is not able to work. Say it out loud. Act on faith. Never act on fear. You'll be tempted. Things will come up. Fear will come on you. It'll try to move you. You got to do something. You got to do something. You got to do it now. Friend, listen. Never act on a fear. Never. It's the devil trying to get access into your life. That's how people lose their money. It's how people do stupid stuff and so-called accidents. Their life is lost. You probably know numerous situations where people just panicked and did the wrong thing. If they'd have just kept their cool. You have a physical example of somebody acting in fear and it killed them. We've not been given the spirit of fear. We've been given the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Sit out loud. I act on faith. I never act on fear. Did you find 2 Kings? 2 Kings 6. Very important passage here that gives light to what we're talking about just now. 2 Kings 6 chapter. The enemy had sent soldiers to surround the man of God. And his servant was panicking. You remember that? His servant was panicking, saying, verse 15, 2 Kings 6, 15, his servant said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What are we going to do? Now, that's an indicator that people are about to act on fear. When they're hollering, going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Usually the voice gets higher. <laughs> oh, what are we going to do? That sounded kind of like, who was it? Mr. Bill, yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 16. Well, what are we going to do? Here it is. What are we going to do? Verse 16. The man of God answered and said, what? What did he say? Fear not. Fear not. What are you going to do? Here's what you don't do. Fear not. Don't fear. How many know there are scores and scores and scores of times throughout the whole Bible where the Lord or a man of God or the angel of the Lord said this? 
How many read the Bible enough to know that? I mean, it's not one or two or ten or twelve. Scores and scores and scores. Fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Now see, the problem is that religious tradition has diminished this to some kind of a howdy. <laughs> like a greeting. Like the Lord shows up and goes, hi, don't be afraid, y'all. <laughs> hi. Don't be scared. Hi. It's kind of like a, his standard greeting. Hi, it's me. Don't be afraid. No. Spiritual law is the issue. If you yield to fear, you have closed the door to the Lord and opened the door to the enemy. That's why when... Uh, you know, Jairus' daughter had died, and they came back, and they told him, don't bother the master any further. She's already gone. What did Jesus do? He looked at him. What did he say? What did he say? Don't be afraid. Fear not. Only believe. She'll be made whole. What's he saying? What's he saying? Jairus, don't quit me now. You came in faith. You acted on faith that you believed something could happen. You told me you believed if I'd just come. Now don't quit me. Why would he say that if it didn't make any difference? If he could just go do it anyway, why would he say this and do this? The Bible said in his own hometown, Jesus couldn't, didn't say he decided not to, said he could there do no mighty works. And it was because of their unbelief. Fear and unbelief go together. No, the... Life of Jairus' daughter, her whole, whether she stayed dead or whether she was brought back to life, her whole life that she would ever have beyond this, perhaps she grew up, got married, had kids of her own, had a great life. I don't know, but that's in all likelihood, that's what happened. It was all hanging on this. Fear not. Fear not. Only believe. He said, fear not. There's more. That be with us. There's more that be with us. Than they that be with them. And he prayed and the Lord opened his eyes. And he could see them. How many know that even though you don't see them. There's still more that be with us. The greater ones inside us. The angelic host. Even when it looks like we're outnumbered. We're outgunned. We're you know no match for whatever we're dealing with. You just that's all you can see. Because what you can't see. Means we're the stronger ones. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Well, without uh, reading all of that, all of this is wonderful and good. But what happened through the course of time in the next several verses is a great famine came in the land. And there was such a uh, shortage of food that people are literally starving to death in the streets. And people are paying huge sums of money for garbage and stuff they'd normally throw away because there's nothing to eat. And in verse 24, it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore eighty pieces of silver. Donkey head. Oh. Somebody say, times is hard. <laughs> what are we having tonight? 
Donkey head soup. <laughs> and don't you say you don't want any, boy. We paid $2,000 for that donkey head. That's what's going on. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Say it again. Times is hard. (laughs) And as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, there cried a woman to him saying, help my lord, O king. He said, if the Lord don't help you, where can I help you? That already tells you something about him, doesn't it? And you can see throughout the course of this, he is blaming the Lord for this. As many people do. But he's wrong. Out of the barn floor, out of the wine press, in other words, everything's gone. How am I going to help you? The king said, what's wrong with you? She said, the woman said, this woman said to me, give your son and we'll eat him today. And we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son. And she has hid her son. That's awful. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman, he rent his clothes. And he passed by on the wall and the people looked and he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. So underneath his robes he, had, he was wearing sackcloth. And he said, God, do so and more to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. So he's going to kill the man of God because he's mad and upset about the hard times that they're going through. Now, it's always been this way. And, you know, depending on what happens now and in the days to come, people, even though they don't want to serve God, When things are wrong, they want to blame God. And since they can't go to God's house and take it out on Him personally, they find in their mind the next best thing. Preachers. Those who have stood up and represented God. And so he can't kill God, so he's mad at God. He blames God for these hard times and these terrible situations. Now let's just stop right here. How many know that it's not God's fault these things that have happened? None of this pleased God. None of this was the will of God. Why is this happening to them? Their sin. They've forsaken God. They've rejected Him. They didn't have time for Him. And they've not done what He said through His prophets, through His law. And now He warned them. And now all these things have come on them. And now they're blaming Him. It was time to be repenting, wasn't it? You know, that's one of the biggest problems you'll find in modern society. You know, people that are messed up, they don't want to take responsibility for their life. They want to blame their mom, their dad. They want to blame the government. They want to blame religion. They want to blame everything else. And they don't want to take any responsibility. And when you get like that, the Lord himself can't help you. Because instead of going to him for help, you're blaming him. For the problem, it's a lie, it's ignorance, but in effect, it cuts off your help. You put yourself in a place where he can't help you because you're blaming him. How many understand, if he's your problem, how can he be your answer? (laughs) We know if God's for you, who can be against you? But if God's against you, (laughs) who can help you out? (laughs) Aren't you glad he's not against you? God is not against us. He's for us. And if we're having trouble, it's between us and the devil. It's not God's fault. He's not the killer. He's not the destroyer. He's good. 
and his plan for you is good. But anyhow, he said, I'm going to kill Elisha. I'm going to take his head off. You know, God do the same to me if I don't see that he's dead. And Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders. He knew this by word of knowledge. He said, see how this son of a murderer has sent to take away my head? He told them that before they got to the house. He said, look, the messenger's coming. Shut the door. That's a good idea when they're coming and take your head off. Shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. This is word of knowledge. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down to him and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now, friend, it's sad, but there are many church-going people believe some version of the same thing. That the calamities and trouble and lack and hard times in their life is from the Lord. And we don't understand it, but he's trying to teach us something and we don't understand his mysterious ways. No, 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 I'm sorry, but no, no, God's good and his plan is good. He's not a God of lack. He's not a God of disease. Is he? He's not. He's a God of healing. He's a God of provision. He's a God of plenty. He's the God of increase. He's not a God of evil and destruction. He's a good God. Men have lied about Him. Preachers have stood up in pulpits and told lies about God. Don't take my word. Don't take their word. Take this word. Get in this book for yourself. He said, this troubles from the Lord. Why wait on the Lord any longer? Chapter 7. Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time. Now, that was, we saw a word of knowledge. This is word of wisdom. This is revelation concerning something that's about to happen in the future. And something that is the plan and purpose of God. Do we still have word of knowledge with us today? And word of wisdom, yes, we talked about it for months around here, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Are we still hungry for the gifts of the Spirit? You know, we've been having them, haven't we? Yes, we have. And we'll have more. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel. Now, how many shekels did they pay for a donkey's head? Woo! Four score pieces of silver. Now, what does that mean? It means fine flour. This is not the junky stuff now. This is the fine stuff. It's going to be sold, we might say, dirt cheap. I mean, you're going to be able to get your whole big basket of flour for $2. <laughs> you're going to be able to get all this for just nothing. And we know what people are eating and what's going on today. But here's the thing. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He said, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour is going to be sold for a shekel. Two measures of barley for one shekel. Right here in the gate of Samaria. Where people are eating donkey head soup today. Tomorrow, they're going to have all this fine food, dirt cheap. And a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, 
answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord made windows in heaven, might this thing be? Does he believe it? Nope, he don't believe a word of it. And the man of God said, You look. Behold means look. See, this Lord said to the man of God, Look. Man of God said back to him, You look. You will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat any of it. How many know it doesn't pay to run your mouth? And mock at the word of God. And scoff and be disrespectful. And unbelieving. He said oh it's going to happen alright. And you're going to see it. But you're not going to eat one bite of it. How many know it was time for him to hit his knees. And start repenting. But see he didn't believe in God enough. To respect the word. So he didn't. Verse 3. Now here's where I was trying to get us. There were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. What gate? The gate of the town where people are eating kids, where people are eating donkey head soup and paying huge sums of money for dove's dung. They're sitting outside this gate and they're lepers. So leper, as lepers, they've been cast out. They can't be in the town. They have to live outside the gate. So they just scramble and rummage for whatever they can get. And uh, they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? Now I want you to listen carefully to the next thoughts that followed. If we say, we'll get into the city. Now you know, normally they wouldn't have let them in. But if we, help, if we hold out hope that they'll have pity on us and They'll let us in the city. The famine is in the city. I would say so. And we'll die there. And if we just sit here. And they don't open the gate. We're going to die right here. (laughs) You know sometimes you need to have a good conversation like this with yourself. Huh? Now let's back up. What have they been doing For weeks or months. They've been sitting out here. At this gate. Waiting. Probably praying. Praying and waiting. If somebody came by the gate. They'd probably holler to them. Hey man. Throw us a biscuit. Say biscuit. Man ain't been no biscuits in the city for six months. Well throw us anything. Anything. Throw us some garbage. Man, no. We're eating our garbage. Oh, man, throw us something. They're sitting out there starving. But they keep staying. One day they have a revelation. What's the revelation? (laughs) We keep doing this. We ain't going to make it. Now, friend, I'm... I'm not just trying to be humorous. There are people that do stuff that they call faith. And they are going down the tubes. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And they keep calling it faith. It doesn't matter if these guys were praying. 
And it doesn't matter how sincere you are praying if you're going the wrong way. Yeah, but I'm sincere. Well, you can be sincerely wrong. They said if we wait on them to open the gate, ain't nothing but death in the city and nothing to eat in there. If we sit out here and don't do anything, we're going to die right here at the gate. Now, therefore, come. Let us fall to the host of the Syrians. Let's go over there to the enemy army. If they save us alive, we'll live. They might feed us. And if they kill us, here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to get. We shall but die. Somebody say, but die. What does that mean? (laughs) We will just die. But, what does but mean? This one word, this qualifier, is so enlightening. I said it's so enlightening. The easy to read says this. There's no food in Samaria. If we go into the city, we'll die there. If we stay here, we'll also die. Let's go to the Aramean camp. If they let us live, we live. If they kill us, we will just die. We will just die. Somebody say, just die. die. Say it again, just die. die. You could say only. We'll we'll only die. We stay here, we're going to (laughs) die. We go in the city, we're going to die. If we go out there and they kill us, well, we just die. (laughs) Say it out loud, just die. This is not how most of the world thinks. To most people on the planet, dying is the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. Just die? Are you kidding me? Die is the most fearful thing there is. But it's what they had to overcome to live. And God used them overcoming their fear of death to work a miracle for the whole city. To bring a miraculous word to pass that he spoke through a man of God. They didn't even know it. Somebody say, just die. die. Only die. die. Just Just. die. die. The Bible said in Hebrews that Jesus became a partaker of flesh and blood. So that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage through the fear of death. The fear of death is really the fear of loss. It's the fear of loss. And it has kept people out. Of the blessings of God. Out of the miracles of God. God has plans for you and me. God has good and rich and great things. Planned for you and me. And all his family and all his body. But I'm telling you. Unless you can overcome this. Like they did. Unless you can overcome the fear of death. Which is the fear of loss. You will not step out. I said, you will not step out. And what if they had just stayed where they were? They'd have perished. How many know they could have stayed there praying at the top of their voice and died and perished? 
And it wouldn't have been the will of God. But you have to listen to the Lord. And you have to overcome this fear. They're already fasting. (laughs) If fasting was going to do it. (laughs) And they've probably been praying. Is it possible to sit in the wrong place and pray and fast and perish? Yes. Here's where their breakthrough came. If you'll pray, and there's times to pray and there's times to fast. And get seeking God and be serious about it and do it day after day. But if you do it, you're going to get an answer. You're going to get direction. Did you hear me? You're going to get direction and that direction is for you to do something. It'll be for you to do something. Now when you get that direction... You'll get excited about it. You'll know you've heard from the Lord. It'll stir you up. It'll excite you. Oh, but then immediately, you got your flesh. And thoughts will come. Well, how are you going to do this? And what if this don't work? How many of they could have sat there thinking, yeah, but boy, you know those are rough enemy. I heard they put a man on a stick and stabbed him with a thousand knives and I heard this, you know, and what if they do this? And what if they do that? And if you get to thinking about it, that fear of death, that fear of loss will grip you tighter and tighter and hold you in bondage. And you won't step out. You won't move. And you can stay there and try to keep praying again and fasting again and you'll perish while you pray. I know some folks don't like to hear this, but this is the truth. It explains some things. Praying's good. Fasting is fine. But when the Lord says, get up and move, nothing will take the place of you getting up and moving. When the Lord says, get up and move, it's not time to pray. I've been with folks before where we got a word from the Lord. And you saw it's time to move. Okay, let's go. And they say, well, let's pray. No, it's not time to pray. It's time to move. But we want to pray about it for another week or two. And I notice they're still praying about it. And that's been 10 years. And they're disgruntled and they're unsatisfied. And their life is not what it's supposed to be. Friend, when the Lord shows you to do something, it's not time to pray. It's not time to fast. It's not time to call prayer hotlines or turn in prayer requests. Now, nothing will take the place of you doing what he told you to do. This came up in them. They said, if they kill us, we'll just die. Did they overcome their fear of death? They had to have. They're not acting on fear of death. They're acting on something else. They have hope, don't they, that something could happen. How many know that's a spark of faith somewhere? Beast just sitting there and perishing. They believe something could happen. We could live out of this deal. So they get up. Four lepers. They acted in faith. They stepped out. That's how the lepers in the New Testament were healed. As they went, they were, as they prayed and fasted, no. Praying and fasting is good, but when you pray and fast, you get direction. You get answers. And when you get direction, it's not time to pray, it's time to move. 
They got up. They rose up, verse 5, in the twilight. And they headed towards the camp. They acted in faith. Somebody say they acted in faith. They didn't act on fear. They acted in faith. Glory to God. Are you still there in the chapter? And verse 6. The Lord made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. Now, this is not imaginary. They heard it. I reckon he let them hear that big host that the man of God saw. They heard them, and it scared them silly. They said one to another, The king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites, and it must be the king of the Egyptians too. I mean it terrified them. They rose up and fled in the twilight. They left their tents, they left their horses, they left their donkeys, they left the camp, and fled for their life. (laughs) And if you read the whole story, they were so scared, That, you know, later on when the king of this city found out about it and they sent scouts, they followed for miles and miles and miles and never could see a trace of them. They saw their clothes and stuff scattered along the trail. But I mean, they must have been scared. We're talking about a well-armed army. Scared them so bad, they ran. And just didn't even look back. I don't know. Two days later, they might have still been running. The Bible said, resist the devil and he... Ain't nothing like the terror of the Lord when His mighty power manifests. People are trying to scare you. They've become the ones who get scared. And uh, the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp. There was no natural host. There was no king of Egypt. There was no king of Hittites. It was just four lepers. (laughs) Starving (laughs) lepers. They come up. Dragging herself into the camp. And they went into one tent. And it was full of food. And drink. And silver. And gold. And clothes. Ha. So they ate. And they drank. And they ate. And they drank. And they tried on clothes. And they tried on clothes. One said, how you like this on me? Man, that's sharp. How you like this? So then they ate some more. Then they tried on clothes. Let's just stop right here. Is this amazing? How much of a difference is this than sitting out by the gate wanting somebody to throw you a crust for the last month? This is miracle provision. This is miracle provision. But now come on. Don't just hear the story. What happened? What did they have to overcome? The fear of death. The fear of loss. They had to overcome it to get into this abundance. To get into this plenty. Phyllis and I have been in this place Several times already in our life. I know when we left home. To go to Ramah. And then when we stayed. How many know it takes faith to stay? (laughs) We were just going to go and come back in a year. But then we stayed year after year. And we traveled with the Hagans. And then when we left there. And came here. I mean people don't. If you hadn't been there. You don't know what it's like. To leave what you know. To leave everybody you know. To leave the people that know you and respect you and believe in you and go to somewhere where they don't know you at all. 
They don't respect you because they don't know you. They don't believe in you because they don't know you. To leave what you know and what you're used to and what you're comfortable and go to what? You don't know. How's it going to work? Where is it going to come from? You don't know. And you try to figure it out and you get more confused. I've had people come to me before. And say, oh, Brother Keith, the Lord is dealt with me to go do this. The Lord's dealt with me to go to school and train. The Lord's dealt with me to start this church. The Lord's dealt with me to start this ministry. And you could tell. They believe it. They're stirred up about it. They're excited. And when a real word of the Lord comes to you, it excites you. I said it excites you. It stirs you up. There's life in it. But how many know when the word comes, the enemy comes to steal that word, doesn't he? He comes to try to take it away. And you know what his favorite tool is? Fear. Fear. And there's plenty of people that will yield to him and speak it to you. It will come from him through them. To you. They don't even realize what they're doing, but they'll say, oh, 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 you don't want to. We had people tell us, you don't want to leave everything you've got here and everything you've built up here and go over there. Why would you go over there? It's a small population base. You want to start a church there? We had people tell, I'm preachers, looked at me in the eye and say, you can't have a big thriving church there. You can't. It's a little small place. A lot of little scattered peoples around. Nobody wants to be committed and do this. You can't have a big thriving church there. Well. <laughs> well. Apparently God didn't know that. I'm not making this up. And we're busy traveling. We finally got an aviation department. And I'm six minutes from the airport. And I'm I'm talking about where I was. That's happening here too. But when we came here, this field wouldn't even accommodate. We couldn't even do it here. And we didn't have a place. Phyllis just got the house that she wanted. Just, you know, redid her kitchen. Believed God and just had it all done. You're going to leave it. You're going to leave people you know. You're going to leave your friends. Why? And do what? And go to where? How's it going to work? How many of what I'm talking about? What would hold you out? Fear of what? Fear of you may lose something. You may lose your momentum. You may lose people believing in you. You may lose this. You may lose all your money. You may try to do it and just all fall on your face and lose it all. You may lose it. The devil always comes to you with this. It ain't going to work. What if you get over there and get messed up and get, you know, you lose everything you got? I've had people come to me before. I'm thinking of this guy right now. He said, Brother Keith, This is when I was teaching at Raymond. He said, uh, the Lord's dealt with me to come over there and train. And I know he has. And man, he said it was such conviction. He made me believe it. I said, oh, I said, well, if he told you to do it, because he told me that. If he told you to do it, you better do it. He said, I can't. He said, I owe too much money. And and I got all this stuff. And I, I said, well, the Lord can fix that. He said, would you pray with me? That he would. If I could get free to do it, I want to do it. So we prayed. We believed God. It wasn't three months. I heard from him. And God had paid off all his debts. Glory to supernaturally paid off all his debts and put money in his pocket and they were able to go. Now he didn't have all the money it was going to take to go to school. We didn't either when we went. Somebody said, how are you going to do it? 
by faith. <laughs> but then he didn't go that year. And then another year comes around. And I see him, he's not going to go. Well, I knew how, how stirred up he was about it, so it concerned me. I said, I thought you said the Lord told you to go. Well, I guess he did. He said, but you know, this was going on, and Mama and them needed this, and I just thought I'd wait to that. And You could tell by the tone of his voice, a defeated tone. Are y'all with me now? A defeated tone. Within a few years, he's not even going to church. His marriage falls apart. Are y'all with me? Never did it. It's dangerous not to obey God. Because when you don't obey Him, now you're in your own plan. And that's not where the grace is. That's not where the strength is. That's not where the provision... Remember we talked about this. You know, nearly every uh, week of increase we get on it some way or another about your wealthy place. Do you know why we keep coming back to it? Why it's such a deal? There's a place. I said there's a place where you're called. Where you're supposed to be. There's a thing you're supposed to be doing. There are people you're supposed to be hooked up with. And in that place you will prosper like no other place. In that place you will grow and develop and become spiritual and grow up in God and be healed. Your marriage will flourish. Your kids will flourish like no other place. Oh, but fear will hold you out. Fear will hold you back if you listen to it. You'll wait another year and another year and another year. And you're getting older and don't even realize it. And time's passing by. And you'll decide, well... I can just do this here. Well, I don't know what I got so excited about. Well, and you'll get cold. And you'll say, well, what's the use of praying? What's the use of reading my Bible like I did? What's the use of going to church? What's the use? And you can completely backslide. And you can wake up at the end of your life. And it's over. And you're about to slip out of here. And you didn't do what you were put on the planet to do. Friend, this is serious business. I said, this is serious business. We don't know about next year and next decade. We know about right now. Not talking about doing something rash, doing something foolish. I'm talking about when you get something from the Lord and you get excited about it, don't you let anything or anybody talk you out of it. You do it. I said, you do it. How do you do it? By faith. We finally heard so many people. Try to talk us out of coming over here. And talk us out of... I have people tell me, you're not a pastor. You don't know how to pastor. You never will be a pastor. And I thought, well, you know, everybody when they start pastoring didn't know how. <laughs> and then these, you're a different kind of ministry. And you're this and you're that. And you don't know this. And, and how are you going to do that? And uh, what do you want to get that big building like that for? You need to start off small. Finally. Well, somebody was trying to talk to me again about it, and I just interrupted him. I said, listen. I'd heard all I wanted to hear. I said, listen. And after this phone call, I didn't talk to anybody and let anybody talk to me about it again. I cut myself off. They want to talk about that, tough. Call somebody else. I said, listen. I'm a man. I could miss it. 
I could make a mistake. I could miss it on this. I'm not saying I couldn't. I said, but I've prayed all I know to pray. I've done everything I know to check this. And as far as I know, everything I've learned about the Lord thus far, this is him. He's directed me to do this. I'm going to step out. What if you fall on your face? I would rather fall flat on my face and lose my money and have everybody laugh at me and wonder about him than to be too scared to move. Than to sit back and hide and be too scared to step out and obey God. Least I would indicate I had some courage about me. At least I'd step up and step out and say, well, here I am, Lord, I'm trying to do it. Here, I'm doing what I know to do. And we didn't fall. Oh, we didn't fall. We didn't fail. We didn't lose everything. We gained. We gained. We get, we got more family than we've ever had. We got more faith. We got more money. We got more stuff. We're reaching more people. It was the right thing to do. Now, friend, God, this is not the end. God has other steps for us. He has other steps for me. Other steps for Phyllis. He has other steps for you. Doesn't he? Will it be real easy? You'll have to step out. Will fear come? Will thoughts and feelings come? Will it try to hold you out? What did they have to overcome? That's why I like that phrase. Go back to it. Go back to it. Verse 4. Did you get this? You know what the title of the message is tonight? It's only dying. (laughs) Well, what if we die? What if we get up there and die? Whoop-de-doo. Everybody's going to die. The Lord tears is coming just a little bit longer. If you don't know it, you need to wake up. You see all these cemeteries you drive by? They used to be alive like you. Everybody on the planet, every dog, every cat, every flower, everything's dying. Don't you know that? What if I die? Then you just die. But don't die a coward sitting back in the corner with not enough faith to step out and try to obey God. Man, if you're going to go out, go out with your boots on. Come on. Go out with some faith. Go out stepping out, endeavoring to believe God, endeavoring to do. Well, what if I mess up and die? Then the next thing you know, you'll be looking at Him. (laughs) And you'll say, God, I was trying to do it. And He'll say, I know, boy, come here. I'm pleased with you. Faith pleases me. I was trying to do it. So if you die, you die in faith. You die trying to obey Him. You die trying to please Him. Somebody say, no cowards. Christianity is not for cowards. It's been watered down to that. It's been portrayed, I mean, even in the old westerns, the preachers would go hide with the women and children under the wagons. How many understand Jesus is no coward. Oh, the strength it took to face what he faced. How many understand how hard it must have been to be hanging on the cross with the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, coming on you? We can't even comprehend what that is. And all you got to do is open your mouth. 
and call for help. And you'll be delivered just like that. All you got to do is open your mouth and say help. You talk about strong. You talk about courage. Faith. He's our master. He's our example. He's a, are you a Christian? That means you're one like him. You're following. We've been talking about for weeks being a disciple of the Lord. We're following in his footsteps. A real Christian is not a coward. A real Christian, stand up on your feet. A real Christian is not a coward. Say it out loud, I'm not a coward. I'm not afraid to step out. I'm not afraid to obey God. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord. Let's pray about this for a moment. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. Pray it out loud after me. Say, Father God, you did not give me a spirit of fear, cowardice. You gave me the spirit of power, love, sound mind. You've given me the greater one inside me. I refuse to cower. I refuse to hide, to fear loss, loss of life, loss of what I desire, what I treasure. I refuse to let these fears govern my life. I am willing to obey you. I am willing to please you. I am willing to be unafraid. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.